Welcome back to another edition of the Mav Podcast. I am John. And I am Bridget. And we are here to talk about the highly entertaining series with North Dakota on November 4th and 5th at Baxter Arena, our first NCHC series of the season. It's pretty rare to start off the NCHC season with North Dakota. Normally, the first series happens in January, and then the second series happens end of February, early March. Early on on Friday night, I thought UNO had some chances. It was a pretty even first period. In fact, it was 0-0 after the first period. There was only one penalty called during the period. But going into the second, I was a little bit worried because the second period during the Saturday game at Long Island University, UNO found their way to the box during that game. And certainly UNO found their way to the box during the second period on Friday night at Baxter Arena. Yeah, and uh, late in the first period, after it had been very even and scoreless throughout, uh, North Dakota did score a goal that ended up being disallowed, and that was when the doubt and apprehension started creeping in for me, but luckily that goal was overturned, and so going into the second, like you, I was feeling uh, hopeful, a little bit optimistic, but uh, boy, that second period on Friday night didn't turn out the way we wanted it to. Six Mavs spent time in the box during the second period. And you talked about that goal that was waved off for North Dakota. That was uh, called back because of an offsides call when uh, Mike Gabinette used his challenge and the officials uh, went to the uh, scorer's box to look back at that. So uh, there were a number of what I found to be as a fan frustrating penalties. First and foremost, I'm not a fan of the the reconfiguration, the way that they do face-offs now. Uh, they made this change a couple of years ago in college hockey, where when there is a face-off violation with one of the players, they give them a warning, they get to stay in the face-off circle, and then if they have a violation again, they end up going to the box for two minutes. I preferred it in the past, where if there was a face-off violation, they would wave the guy out of the circle and they bring another guy in take the face off. Now the NCAA says they did this to speed up face offs. I question whether it's sped up face offs because the fact of the matter is uh, it takes them an inordinate amount of time sometimes to drop the puck. Pavanka ends up going to the box. There were a number of penalties on UNO and certainly some of the major penalties that happened at the end of that period were inopportune for UNO. Well, and certainly the first North Dakota goal came off of a uh, power play that they got when Johnny Tyconic went to the box. Pavanka's penalty that you mentioned on the faceoff violation would have taken us down two men at the time that happened um, because his happened right after UNO had been called for a penalty. But fortunately, North Dakota got called for a hook right after that. But definitely penalties played a part in that second period. And I really think we should look at some of those things that happened at the end of the second period. That was just a really unusual situation. And we as fans in the arena weren't really quite sure what was going on with the way that it was announced on the ice. The North Dakota player, Ty Farmer, ends up getting called for a major. So he ends up going to the box for five. Brad Berry is not happy. And so he goes back and has them review it after the play had already been reviewed. So he challenged a play that had already been reviewed in his fans. We were scratching our heads because we're like, the officials already looked at this. Why didn't they notice the kerfuffle between Berg and Jammerneck? Now, Jammerneck skated up to Berg, and frankly, Jammerneck got his stick into Berg's face. 
Berg retaliated. If you look at the clip online from the angle that we see, it looks like Cameron Berg got a nice right hook on Jammernick. And obviously he was called. I was kind of surprised Jammernick wasn't called too. Regardless, I, I felt like the officials were intimidated by Brad Berry. And they felt like they had to make a makeup call because Farmer had just gone to the box with a five-minute major. And Bradbury's one of those guys. He he knows how to do this. He uses it to great effect. I mean, honestly, the guy, he's 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 big, he's loud, he's kind of the Fred Flintstone of the NCHC. And I think back to the CCHA days with guys like Duke Shigos and Matt Shigos working the ice during those games. And I don't think that they were ever intimidated by any coach, but I sometimes feel like these NCHC officials get a little bit intimidated by some of these coaches who get into their face. So anyway, two guys go to the box with five minute majors. And of course that happened right at the end of the second period. So we had a lot of time during the intermission to try and figure out what was going on. There was a lot of discussion on Twitter about challenging a challenge Um, I think the one explanation I did see on Twitter was that when they were first reviewing the clip for the major on Farmer, that that was all that they were looking at. And so then when Brad Berry uh, used his gravitas to uh, request a second look at the clip, that then they were taking a look at that, that Berg Um, action as well. And like I said, and like you said, I don't think that that rose to the level of a single major. If anything, it should have been coincidental majors, which would have been weird because then there would have been two five-minute majors on North Dakota, one five-minute major on Omaha. I just don't think the officials were willing to do that, again, considering uh, Bradbury's status in their mind. It was just a crazy situation. And I'll be the first to say, I'm not a guy who's really big one way or another on penalties, but there have been some interesting instances during this first part of the season for UNO. You know, uh, a couple of weeks ago when Alaska Fairbanks was in town, there were two non-calls that were reviewed and they went back and looked at two things that hadn't been called on the ice. And I can't recall having seen that in our 25 years of watching college hockey. So it's definitely an interesting thing. And obviously different fans are going to have different opinions on this. And you look at that second period and we talked about the number of players that went to the box for UNO. And we talk about the majors at the end of the period. North Dakota got off to a fast start that period. They scored two goals in quick succession, 15 seconds between those goals to get the 2 nothing lead. We thought that Cameron Bird had UNO's first goal a short time later. Unfortunately, Ty Rollwagon was uh, called for goaltender interference. Now, if you go back and look at the angle that fans had access to of that play, I don't believe that Tyler Rollwagon actually interfered with the goaltender. If you look at the body language of the goaltender, it doesn't seem like he was impacted or affected at all by Rollwagon skirting in front of the crease. Maybe there was an overhead shot. Maybe they had access to footage that we didn't see. I didn't see that happen. In fact, I thought it was a situation where if there was any reaction on the part of Drew DeRitter, North Dakota's goaltender, I thought he might have thought that Rollwagon had the puck. So he was reacting to that. Chris Bame had posted a clip on Twitter of it, and I've looked at it probably a hundred times now. And like you said, from the angle that we have, it just appears that DeRitter had lost sight of the puck and was getting himself back into position when Berg, you know, tucked it into the net. Um, But again, Brad Berry and his gravitas, you know, hold sway over the officials again. They reviewed it and uh, called it goaltender interference. And so the fish 
went uh, back into the cooler. Again, I really thought that that was one of those situations where the officials were like, well, we can't tell if it's interference or not, but we'll, we'll do this as a makeup call for North Dakota's goal getting called back. So maybe they saw something we didn't see. It didn't look to me like he was interfered with. I could be wrong on that, but it was what it was. So UNO went on to lose the game 4-1 to one to North Dakota on Friday night. Um, not a great outing for UNO. You know, they did put in effort. I think obviously getting down two to nothing early in the second period didn't help their fortunes. Uh, there were a lot of issues for UNO. Puck handling was not great. I didn't think the team was particularly good in transition. In fact, one of the things that Mike Gabinet has talked about over the last few seasons is the team finding a way to move the puck up the ice faster. And there were certain moments where it felt like we were stuck trying to get the puck out of our defensive zone. So uh, we were hopeful on Saturday. Uh, typically the last couple of seasons, the Saturday night Mavericks have been stronger than the Friday night Mavericks. UNO obviously came out and I thought skated a lot better on Saturday night. I thought they had a lot more pep in their step. I thought they had a lot more jump uh, and I thought they played really well that first period. Well, and one of the things that struck me is the number of chances that UNO had in that first period. I think we counted five different opportunities that they weren't able to capitalize on. And so you had predicted a very close win for the Mavericks on Saturday night. And early in that first period, I was just a little worried that maybe they weren't going to be able to finish some of those chances ever and uh, not even have a chance to, to keep it close we had some different guys in the lineup on Saturday because of injuries to Matt Miller. Matt Miller sustained an injury at Long Island University and uh, Brock Bremer got injured on Friday night. So we didn't see him in the lineup. So it gives a chance to some of the younger guys to get in the lineup and play. And it's nice to see some of our freshmen take advantage of those opportunities. Certainly the freshman defensemen uh, LeMay and Gavin, we've gotten to see a lot of them this season so far, but the forwards, we haven't seen them make a lot of noise. So it was great. Uh, 258 into the second period when Jacob Slipek gets a goal uh, with assists to uh, Mancini and Fust. So Slipek gets his first collegiate goal, puts UNO up one to nothing. Um, it was a great position for UNO to be in at that point in the game. Yeah. And like I said, the Saturday Night Mavs are definitely a different uh, breed than the Friday Night Mavs. And one of the other keys to the game that you and I have discussed on many occasions is UNO getting that first goal. It really helps give them momentum and confidence, and it certainly helps spark them um, at least early in the second period. Yeah, definitely so. Now, what was interesting was late in the second period, North Dakota ties it up. So it's one-to-one going into the third period. You know, I had predicted on the last podcast that on Friday night, we were going to see the Friday night Mavs and lose. And on Saturday night, we were going to have a victory for UNO and it was going to come down to the wire in the third period. Now, we didn't quite win this game, but it definitely came down to the wire in the third period. It, You know, UNO and North Dakota traded goals back and forth and we ended the, the third period uh, regulation time tied three to three and uh, we're headed to overtime. Yeah. And you never know what's going to happen in that three on three overtime. Um, it's, it's exciting having three on three. I'm not a huge fan of it. As I mentioned on this podcast before, uh, mainly because for the pairwise rankings purposes, because it's the three on three overtime period now that determines the winner of the game, a win in that three on three overtime period, as far as the pairwise rankings go, 
doesn't count for much more than a tie, but in the official NCAA record book, it counts as a win. So I was hoping we'd be able to get the get the win there. We had a couple good opportunities. We had a power play opportunity uh, during that extra overtime period. Um, Ultimately, it ends up being a tie and we're going to a shootout, which fans absolutely love the shootout. Um, We've seen UNO in a shootout this season before uh, up at Lake Superior State, which was very entertaining. So uh, we were hoping for good things, but I hadn't gotten the opportunity to see uh, North Dakota goaltender Drew DeRitter participate in a shootout. So I wasn't uh, sure how DeRitter would compare to Kuharski in this period. Well, definitely Kuharski was the better goaltender during the shootout. Uh, North Dakota player uh, Blake got the first uh, opportunity and scored. Um, And then Ty Mueller came down and he scored. And it went back to the North Dakota player. I believe it was uh, Gaber was next. And uh, he was denied. And then Tyler Weiss, uh, Jason's favorite, put the biscuit in the basket and uh, gave, you know, the lead in the shootout. And then it was just up to Kaharski to deny one more North Dakota player. And he did. And the place went crazy. Yeah, the place definitely went crazy. A great overtime victory. And, and obviously the game goes down officially as a tie in the NCAA record books. But when it comes to conference points, if the teams tie after that three-on-three overtime period, each of the teams gets a point in the conference race. If you win the shootout, you get another point. So UNO got two points on the night. North Dakota got a point. So it was good for us to be able to get two points out of the six points in that series in the conference race because uh, it can be a long slog if you get off to a slow start in the conference uh, in the conference contest uh, for rankings and everything else, and it, it looks like it could be a it could be a challenging season for UNO. So that was a that was a good outcome. Uh, Coach Gabinet and the post game presser seemed very happy with that. I'm I'm sure he was very relieved that the team had a positive outcome on the weekend. So not quite a split, but awfully good for uh, for the players, and it was awfully good good to see uh, good performances by. Uh, some of the younger Mavericks, like uh, Jacob Slipek. I noticed Cam Mitchell during that game. So so I got to ask you, Bridge, who is your player of the week coming out of this series? Uh, Saturday night, there were a lot of uh, a lot of good potential Mavericks to pick from. So I had a couple of players that I had written down as possibilities because you and I keep it honest. We never reveal before uh, the pick who we're going to take. So I always have to have a couple in mind. I'm going to give a nod to somebody who was on the score sheet, but didn't necessarily have the biggest impact on the score sheet, but definitely had an impact on the game. And you heard me talking about him. So you might have some idea, but my vote for the player of the weekend uh, is Kirby Proctor. Uh, I was going back again through our Twitter notifications and tweets. And I noticed he had a couple of big plays on Friday night. Um, In particular, he had a great shot that was uh, denied in the first period uh, that would have broken that scoreless tie and may have made a huge impact. But definitely on Saturday night, his defensive play was outstanding, particularly during the penalty kill. And then he got an assist on the Mueller goal that ended up tying the game 2-2. So my vote is Kirby Proctor. 
uh, for a great defensive effort, a couple of offensive chances, but really uh, putting in that heart and soul, that hard work that helped make that weekend uh, win in the shootout possible on Saturday. Yeah, and he actually had two of our best potential scoring opportunities on Friday night. Terrific pick uh, there of Kirby Proctor. I'm going to go with the freshman. I like to talk about uh, uh, guys getting their first goal as a Maverick. Um, I've had some of those this season, and by midweek, uh, the goal has been credited to somebody else. So so I'm assuming Jacob Slipek had his first career goal as the Mavericks, but the way that UNO comes out and changes things, maybe not. But first goal for UNO on Saturday night and his first goal as a Maverick. And like I said earlier, these freshman forwards need to find a way to kind of rise to the top. You know, last season we saw it when uh, Cameron Berg and Ty Mueller had opportunities early in the season. They started to increase their profile and build their resume. And now those guys are key players offensively for the Mavericks. And so we need some of these new freshman players to kind of rise to the occasion. And Slipback last season had 21 goals and 18 assists for the Surrey Eagles in the British Columbia Junior Hockey League. And we need him uh, to be a factor offensively because looking back at the previous eight games going into this North Dakota series, UNO had struggles scoring. So we need to find a way to uh, build some depth and get multiple lines clicking. And so against top competition like North Dakota, it was great to see him have success. So I'm going with Jacob Slipik. I like the Kirby Proctor pick and uh, a fun series for UNO fans, a fun series to start the NCHC season. And we've got some great series coming up. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the team does here in the next month in uh, conference play. But turning to our things you missed at Baxter Arena. And there were a number of things, if you weren't there this weekend, that you probably missed. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, Cameron Berg's goal that was waved off due to goaltender interference uh, by Tyler Rollwagon. For the fans who don't know, when the fish is tossed in a situation like that and Greg goes out on the Mad Boney to pick up the fish and take it back to the Zamboni entrance. If the goal is waved off, then the fish has to be taken back to the person who's throwing the fish and they have to wait and do it all over again. It's a situation that's only happened a couple of times uh, through the past 20 plus years of fish picker upper uh, lore. But uh, it certainly did happen on Friday night. I noticed uh, one of the Midco sideline reporters was wondering what would happen in the instance of a disallowed goal uh, after the fish had gone onto the ice. And fortunately for Greg and uh, Friday night's fish thrower, it did not happen in quick succession that the, the next Omaha goal was scored. They did have time to get the fish back up to the stands and, uh, Greg got the Mavboni turned back around again and ready to go out on the ice again. We're going to show you some clips uh, of how this went because there was also a little bit of controversy with the North Dakota players and the fish pickup on Friday night. Uh, Friday night, uh, he went out to pick up that first thrown fish and a couple North Dakota players got in his way. And uh, then the second time that he went out to get it, the officials um, you know, kind of help manage the situation a little bit, but 
uh, I understand that some words were exchanged and uh, certainly there could have been a, a bigger uh, melee that had come out of that if uh, they hadn't moved those players out of the way. But a little bit of history again at Baxter Arena on Friday night is one of the few times that we had a fish throw and pick up do-over. Yeah, I blame Bradbury for all of this, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised at all if he said something to his players, um, you know, to, to fire them up. Again, it's not uh, unheard of that the opposing players find that that tradition is not necessarily uh, something that they like. And if they can interfere with it in some way, as happened back at uh, the old CenturyLink Quest Center days uh, with Fishgate, I would not be surprised at all if, if maybe Bradbury didn't give him a little motivation there. Yeah, it kind of harkens back to that time when uh, uh, Northern Michigan's uh, Pat Bateman decided to take a, a swipe at the fish. Fans referred to that as Fishgate, the UNO fans and the Northern Michigan fans at that time uh, time did so we almost had a fishgate part two with north dakota and what a fitting team to have fishgate part two with but yes i you know teams a lot of times reflect their coaches and we were talking about how uh brad barry likes to get into the face of officials i will say the conference really should probably do something about it but it's definitely an interesting situation i always feel bad for greg for those who don't know greg built the mavboni that he drives out onto the ice and he travels up from Lincoln every game to do that. There are some games he misses and has to have a substitute, but he travels up for every game. And I don't think people realize the time and the commitment that he dedicates to this. And somebody should inform the North Dakota players so they, uh, they don't act like jackasses during our tradition, man. <laughs> and speaking of Greg uh, and his awesome service, uh, he also leads us to the second thing you miss. We have the parachute drop at games. Now, a lot of teams in their arenas do a little promotion where they drop a parachute and on that parachute is attached something. It might be a coupon for a restaurant or a a gift certificate for a car wash. You just never know what types of things we're going to have. And Gray thought we might enjoy Featuring one of the Chick-fil-A parachutes on the podcast, Greg thought it might be interesting for us to let people know what's actually in one of these parachutes, because I never know. I assume it's a coupon for something, but Greg, there's multiple things in this. So Bridget, what is in the Chick-fil-A parachutes that they drop at Baxter Arena? Uh, I was not aware before opening the envelope what was in the uh, little envelope that's attached to it. So I'm going to give you the first look as I'm getting it too. There is a Godfather's Pizza $5 off your order coupon. There is a Pepper Jack's Grill buy one, get one half off coupon. And as you might expect, there is a Chick-fil-A card in here. And it is a choice of a Chick-fil-A nuggets or a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. So quite the little treasure trove there from uh, Chick-fil-A. And uh, it was awesome of Greg to share that with us because we have never tried to catch one ourselves, but our niece and nephew have made several attempts and have not been successful. Yeah, I always wonder what's in some of those things. They've had various tosses. 
Uh, you know, obviously they'll throw out T-shirts, they'll shoot T-shirts with the can, which that's always interesting too, because you would assume it was just a regular UNO T-shirt with a logo, kind of like the logo that I'm wearing now. But sometimes you get some really interesting promotional shirts uh, coming out of the can. And so, you know, we used to have a blimp at the games, but the blimp has been missing in action for quite a while now. And the blimp would drop stuff. And I always wondered what was in those uh, little manila envelopes uh, that they did. So thanks to Greg, our Mav Boney driver for supplying us with that, because that gave us an interesting things you missed at Baxter Arena. So turning to our next series, it's another conference series. We go on the road. Our next two series are on the road. And, and this upcoming weekend, we travel to Duluth, Minnesota to take on the UMD Bulldogs. They were my preseason pick to win the NCHC. And they were my preseason pick to win the national championship. But if they don't get things going uh, here, my pick's going to be completely wrong. So they've had some struggles uh, to start the season, including losing four in a row. During the month of October, they're 5-5-0 five, five, overall, uh, but they had a split decision last weekend at Colorado College. They lost the Friday game out at Ed Robeson Arena, 5 to nothing to Colorado College. And I know people talked about Colorado College saying, you know, under Chris Mayotte, they're going to be able to turn things around. I don't know that they've turned things around quite yet, but uh, that, was a, that was a good outing for the Tigers. And certainly... We interact with a lot of the Minnesota Duluth fans online. This is not the type of start that they were expecting this season. No, uh, it was not the kind of start I was expecting for the season, given your preseason picks for them. And I think that they have definitely underperformed. Um, I don't know what was going on with them on Friday night, but boy, that was a big loss at Colorado College. But they rebounded on Saturday night and came away with the three to one win. So it's hard to know. Maybe they have a, a Friday night Bulldogs and a Saturday night Bulldogs the same way that we do uh, for the Mavs. So I guess Friday night's matchup might be kind of interesting then. Yeah, you know, UMD is struggling right now. As, as Quinn Sebesta pointed out on the Mav Puck message board, you know, it's like they're leaking oil. Um, things are not going well. Uh, for that team, although they are still Minnesota Duluth. And we've seen seasons with this team where they kind of get off to a slow start in the first half of the season and then they turn it on in the second half. I never underestimate a Scott Sandlin coached team. Um, there are a few players that I would encourage fans to watch. Sophomore forward Dominic James leads the team with three goals and three assists. And then defenseman Derek Daschke, who was originally a UNO commit, ended up going to Miami to play for Enrico Blase, and now he is a transfer portal pick for UMD, and he's got two goals and three assists on the season. So those are two players I'd encourage you to watch. So going into this series, I'm not quite sure what to expect. You know, UNO is actually undefeated on the road this season. So maybe they can keep that streak alive and uh, go up to Duluth uh, and get a, a couple of wins and six points in conference play. I'm going to be a little bit more cautious on this. I'm going to say again, I'm, I'm sticking with this pattern. I'm going to say again, Friday night, we see the Friday night Mavs as they get to know this year's incarnation of uh, the UMD Bulldogs. And then I'm going to say UNO finds a way to win on Saturday night and 
splits with the Bulldogs this weekend? Uh, I like your style. Uh, again, I'm going to go with you, but differ a little bit. I'm going to also pick a split on the weekend, but I think UNO gets a little bit more of a bounce from that shootout and they get a close win on Friday night up in Duluth. And then I think that they lose on Saturday night. I don't know if that's going to be close on Saturday night or if it might be a little bit wider margin of victory, but I'm also predicting a split, but in a a slightly different format. We also want to make a note for fans uh, about the game times on Friday and Saturday night. Friday night's game is at 7 p.m. Central time, and then Saturday night's till is at 6 p.m. Central time. I think it should be an interesting series up there. We look forward to uh, tweeting back and forth with everybody online this weekend. Bridget uh, always does a great job uh, with the tweets. But in the meantime, be sure to follow MavPuck on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find links to those at mavpuck.com as well as back episodes of this podcast. So until next time, Bridge, go Mavs. Go Mavs.